Hello everyone, and welcome to King's Talk presented by Captain Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we have John. We're in the middle of the All-Star break. I guess you can see, you know, more towards the end at this point. Man, just one day left. Today's the last day until the Kings play again, now they think about it. But um, it's been a, it's been a second without official regular season basketball. The Kings last played last Tuesday against the Suns on Valentine's Day. And just an absolutely terrible outing against the Suns. Just kind of really showed that the Kings needed the All-Star break. They looked tired. They looked worn down. I mean, their defense on the perimeter was just absolutely horrendous. And so, you know, that took us to the All-Star break. Keegan Murray played on Friday in the Brighton Stars game. Kevin Herter participated in the three-point contest on Saturday. And then we capped it off with Sabonis and Fox in the All-Star game on different teams. A little underwhelming, but nevertheless, they are All-Stars and they got to play in it. I think we got to talk about the three-point contest. Uh, There's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, as you probably know, Kevin Herter did not do very well at all. I think uh, Tony could point out a stat. It's not the most flattering thing, despite the fact that it would be something that Kevin Herter and the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, have in common. Uh, what would that be, Tony? What, what, what do they have in common? That would be posting the worst scores in three-point shootout competition. Eight points. Eight points. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, who cares? I, mean, yeah, I care. Contest. <laughs> no, I do. It's hey, the last guy that was in purple that was there won it, you know? That is very true. He did. He did. That's a, that's a great point. I almost won it this year. No, he didn't almost win it. Halliburton almost won it, huh? I did not think Halliburton was going to do well. Um, well, it was between Tate, uh, not Tate, uh, Lillard and Buddy at the end because Buddy had 25, right? And then Lillard hit 26. Am I forgetting about a guy? No, I don't know. I didn't watch it. You know, again, it's not a big deal. Who cares, really? But it was kind of, there were a couple aspects to it that were kind of interesting. First of all, he was just getting like, just dogged on by uh, Kevin Harlan and uh, Draymond Green. <laughs> like Draymond was pointing out, he's just like, I think he was pointing it out for somebody, for Tyler Hero. Um, he's like, you know, he's doing a lot of jumping, you know, that's to tire you out. And that seemed to maybe be a little bit of the case for Herter. But uh, Kevin Harlan pulled out the stats and was pointing out the fact that he's Kevin Herter shooting under 30% in February. And uh, Draymond's like, yeah, he's carrying that in here with him. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were they you know just having some good old fun with Kevin Herter and you know it's not a big deal but it was kind of I think from just a, an objective perspective it was kind of funny to see him go in there and do so poorly not make it past the first round and yet he was the only guy that came equipped with a headband as if he was going to work up the perspiration um, <laughs> necessary for a headband. But I think what was even funnier was the fact that he talked to the, I think it was mostly the Sacramento media, but it was to the media afterwards. And uh, Sean Cunningham of Fox 40 and Chris Tavares of, is he, uh, he's of, uh, he's a one of those uh, stations. Is he, I think he's Fox 42. I think he's Fox 40. Yeah. Yeah. So him and Sean Cunningham, Fox 40 sending their finest. And I like Tavares. Particularly, I think he asked some good questions, but uh, they were just really sticking on the fact that that Herder did not do well. And it was one of those things where you could tell and it wasn't just 
Cunningham and Tavares that were asking the questions, you know, all of them were kind of pointing out the fact. I mean, it was undeniable. He had a horrible run in the contest. Doesn't really matter though. But the fact that it kept getting asked was interesting because you could tell like Herder was just brushing off, you know, like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Hope I get the opportunity to do it again. But the questions just kept getting asked and asked. And I felt like the Fox 40 guys were particularly hounding him with these questions. Like Sean Cunningham was like, I don't mean to be a, you know, I don't mean to be a jerk, but uh, is this the type of night to stay off the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Herder kind of like laughed. He's like, what? But all these questions kept getting asked and you can almost see it in Herder's eyes. Like he was was, he was on the verge of asking himself, like, I don't know. Did I really screw up? Am I underestimating (laughs) how poorly I did? Am I some joke? It was I mean, it was yeah, an interesting – the interview bit. went for like seven minutes. It was a long – that was longer than some of his post-game interviews. It's just like <laughs> he's getting asked the same question. Was, I don't know, man. I felt bad for him. I didn't feel bad for him that he performed <laughs> poorly because it's like whatever. Nobody's going to remember that. But he was just getting – that's just like the Sacramento media was just – laying Laying into this guy? Yeah. I'm like, you know, geez. I was like, give him a break. But it kind of reminded me of – way back when this is before he was on the Kings, but Harrison Barnes was in the slam dunk contest in 2012 or 2013 or something. And, uh, he, he was going in for his first dunk and they were all, they made this big old show. They're they're hooking him up with some equipment. It's like tracking his motions. They're like, they're going to, they're going to upload this to NBA 2k and you can download it and have it as a special dunk package for your player or whatever. And they're like making this big thing and whatnot. And, Harrison Barnes like goes up and does the most underwhelming, just like what you did that for the dunk contest. And just afterwards, I don't remember if it was Shaq or Chuck Barkley, but they're just like, they ain't uploading that. They ain't uploading that. Yeah. I remember that dunk. It was that's more embarrassing than Kevin Herter. He did like a 360 with just like his shoulders in front of his body. He like just did like around the world in front of his face with the ball. Did, was like, did he yeah. screw up a couple of times that forced him to like do something really simple? I don't I, think so. I don't. I just think he just did I, something bad. I think he was just like nervous. He, I got to make this. <laughs> and so he's like, I mean, just do like the most generic dunk I'll make for this. <laughs> what if he missed the dunk? They uploaded it. Everything Mark's missing. Just, I don't know. Yeah, that was it. That was that whole slam dunk contest that year. I think that was 2012, maybe 13. It might have been 13. That was the worst one. The format was all weird. It was like you started off with a uh, like a freestyle round, like the West first East. I don't know if you remember that. And Ben McLemore was in it that year. It was him, Lillard, right. and Barnes. It was against like Paul George, John Wall, and I don't know someone else in the East, obviously. Tamara Wall won it, but yeah, and then it was like a like a minute freestyle around, which is just stupid. They had like just a minute to dunk it and to get like build up the score, and then it was like West first East is like best two out of three. And I'm pretty sure we had already lost on the first two, so the third round was worthless anyway. <laughs> and then Ben McLemore dunked over Shaq in the throne, which was actually kind of a cool dunk. And then John Wall just like ended it with an even better dunk. I was like, whatever. And then that was like the first dunk was Harrison Barnes. And he uh, he did, you know, whatever we said. And that was also the year that Lillard, uh, I think it was his sophomore year. I think that was the year he uh, he participated in every event. He participated in like the rookie challenge because he is a sophomore then the skills challenge, three point slam dunk, and then the all star game. 
So yeah, just just memories flowing out of me at this point. This has nothing to do with it. <laughs> take take Tony to sports trivia night. You will have a fruitful experience. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Give, uh, yeah. But anyway, Herder, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. I didn't watch the the rookie challenge or whatever. So I really don't know how Keegan did, other than scoring the game winner. I didn't even know that. I for, honestly forgot about it. Yeah. It's whatever. Who cares? Um, again, another who cares. And this is another who cares as well, because who really cares about All-Star Weekend? First off, who cares about the All-Star game? It was embarrassing. I mean, with, like, why watch it? That was the only reason I was watching it, because we had Fox and some bonus in it. You know, the first All-Stars could sense Cousins. So you kind of had to watch it as a Kings fan. It's like, I need to watch them. But, man, I turned that thing off after the third quarter. After Fox just <laughs> just didn't really want any part in the All-Star game, it seemed like. And Sabonis was, you know, he was, it was his third time, but well, Tatum was going to take every shot for team whatever he was on. And yeah, he's, it was like, I feel like there was only six people really touching the ball and scoring on either side. It's like, all right. I think it was like Donovan Mitchell was going off too. But uh, yeah, I turned that off. It was just like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is off. The All Star game is the worst. This, Saturday night, it's always the best. The three point contest and the uh, slam dunk contest are usually the better. Uh, things because I mean there's just no defense or anything in the all-star game just it's just boring it's like whatever I remember the the year Kobe passed so I believe 2021 um mm-hmm. yeah right 2021 or 2020 yeah he yeah January 2020 is when he passed it was 2020 so it was before like the pandemic so I remember that was the year that they implemented like the new all-star game format whereas like I think that year was like the first team to get to 24 points in each quarter like won the quarter and then like a certain percentage would go to charity and then the start of the fourth quarter you would add up all three like scores or something and that like it would start so you know i don't know you'd, you'd add up the points for each team for the previous three quarters and then that's like the starting score of the fourth quarter and then I, mean, I think it's like first to 180. I don't know. It's first to some number. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. And it, it's <laughs> as, long a, as long as well, they know what's is. going on. <laughs> exactly. And that's still the format now. I don't think it's first to 24 points. I think they just had 12-minute quarters. But I remember that last quarter was like, it was actually kind of getting intense. And there, there was like fouling. I think Anthony Davis went on a couple free throw attempts because we actually saw defense being played because people wanted to win it. I don't know. I like that. It was actually competitive that year. And like the players don't even want to be there. They're like, this is our break, you know. Like, this is my this is my reward in quotations for being an all star. I mean, no, yeah. I, I can't go on vacation like the rest of my teammates. Like, I actually have to do this, and it's like I bet it's fun in some parts, but you know, it's like it's like a mid season break. These guys have been playing their asses off. I think Fox even said that he didn't even want to play that much, um, and he just wanted his rest. I mean, he just had a new baby, so that dude's probably exhausted. Delmas said something like afterwards he's like i'm just glad now i'll be able to try to get some sleep finally <laughs> they're always i guess they're he and and darren were kind of explaining that it's just like you kind of get yanked around and tugged around in all these directions and you have to be in all these places and just kind of wait around like i think darren fox got asked about i don't i didn't watch or see how the drafting process went for the all-star teams but darren fox was asked about it. he's like yeah it was long <laughs> <laughs> and i guess it's just like they just kind of waste their time um, yeah, I mean, I was watching the <laughs> through the first three quarters that I watched of the All Star Game. They had like Luca mic'd up during the game, and he was like, he was like, it was like an interview, like when a 
Like they interview like a left fielder during baseball because you probably can interview a left fielder because it's slow. It's like, you know, you're obviously not miking up a guy in a regular season game, but he's just like, he's like, what would what'd you like and what'd you not like? I think whoever the announcer was, I don't even know who that announcer was. Do you know? It was like Reggie Miller, Candace Parker, and that other guy. Um, the anyway. Game? Yeah. God, what was his name? He's not like. I don't think he's like a huge name. It wasn't like Harlan or Brain. It was some. Wasn't the All Star Game just the TNT guys? Uh, or was I watching a different broadcast? You must have been watching a different broadcast. Um, I was listening to like Chuck and Shaq and everything. It was actually kind of funny. They were oh. talking about it right before tip off. They were like, they're like, you can't get a drink in this city. <laughs> it's in Salt Lake City. <laughs> it's like all these people going to heaven. That's what they kept saying. That's <laughs> hilarious. Funny. No, no, I, I didn't watch that place. stream. It was like Reggie <laughs> was, Miller. Oh, yeah, forget Who's that. Who's Miller no. on? Was I watching ESPN? Yeah, he's on or TNT. Oh, guy. they were talking to Doncic, and I just, no. It's a long-winded way of saying Doncic said the same thing as Fox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the draft took too long. <laughs> just like my just like my answer right now, or my, my story. Yeah, it's still a lot more interesting, I guess, and whatever the hell they were doing, waiting to get drafted or whatever. I mean, yeah. I think I was grazing through because I watched the replay of the All-Star game. And it's really useful to watch the All-Star game on like 1.5 speed. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I like saw the video for like the NBA draft, pro- the NBA All-Star draft process, like an hour video. Jeez. That's <laughs> crazy. Hell? That, long? that was on Saturday night, right? They're just like yanking out. No, I thought I thought I I got home a little late. Before I I I thought the 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 picks were before, like the All Star game, same night, just right before. Yes, I mean I don't know. We clearly uh, either way. I didn't way, watch. They were live. Yeah, either <laughs> way, they all, were forced to it. just wait around. No, I I think it was. I think it was. Hey, I don't know. Maybe they didn't advertise it till Sunday. I don't know. Clearly, we're not the people to ask. But again, who cares? Right. So, yeah, it just it just. Well, I know like we're losing our credibility because we didn't watch the uh, <laughs> Rising Stars Challenge. Yeah, no, All Star Weekend. Interesting. It's interesting to think about Salt Lake City hosting an All Star Game. You kind of think about it. You're like, you know what? Salt Lake City. I'm sure they did a great job hosting the All Star Game. All of that. You, know, you got fans that really appreciate the game. Domas got asked after the experience on Sunday night whether or not Sacramento would be a good place to host an all-star game or the whole all-star weekend. And he, predictably, he said, yes, of course. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like it would be a pretty good destination for that. What do you think about that? How far off do you think the Golden One Center is from maybe one day hosting this event that it sometimes comes off as frivolous as we're kind of noting here, but at the same time, it is the center of honoring some of the best players in the league. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, they have the new arena, right? And the new location, the arena's set for an all-star game for sure. Um, from what I always hear and why the Kings won't get one anytime soon is the hotel situation. Um, there's just not enough hotels to house all the fans coming in, I suppose, to watch the all-star game. But I mean, I did hear that Fox was staying in a, in a hotel himself, like 40 minutes outside of Salt Lake city. So, I mean, like Folsom is only 40 minutes away from downtown Sac. 
So I mean, if that's happening, like why can't it happen in SAC? It's I get it's still not like San Francisco or maybe not quite yet what even Salt Lake City is, but I mean, it still has an NBA team regardless, right? I, I think everyone should get a chance to host it. And they get they don't have like a ton of hotels downtown, but I mean, there's enough hotels around for people to go to for sure. So, I mean, I don't know if that's still the case, but that's what I, that's what I feel like I still hear a little. It's just kind of weird that the Kings mm-hmm. won't get one just because of hotels. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I guess one thing I would point out is I've been to Salt Lake City and uh, I've stayed in a hotel in Salt Lake City. I would almost be tempted to say, and I've never had to stay in a hotel in Sacramento, obviously. I think I would almost be tempted to say that Sacramento and its surrounding areas has more accommodations than Salt Lake City. And I just thought about this. I'm just going based off of the fact that I was there about a year ago. And it was not the easiest thing to find a room there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a sorry excuse for for that. I just say give it to them because they have the best fan base in the league. I mean, don't they deserve it at this point? Sacramento's put themselves on the map. I just think for that alone, I think. Yeah, it's, and it's that's central very issue. fair. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just like you, you hear – Domas called it the best stadium in the league. And you hear Mike Brown talking about when he first – I was kind of making a joke out of it when he did his introductory press conference. I was like, it was interesting because Mike Brown was like being asked what he likes about Sacramento and all this stuff. He clearly didn't know anything, but he's just like, yeah, they got great facilities, really great stadium, great practice facilities. It's just like all you could talk about was the facilities. (laughs) I'm like, okay, maybe that had something to do with the fact that he wasn't super familiar, didn't know what to comment on. And also there's the reality that the franchise hadn't done super well over the last decade and a half. But also, that could mean that the facilities are really good. So I'm gonna for this conversation, I'm gonna go with that latter idea. So I think it's a matter of time. I don't know how how far ahead did they decide these? Is it one year ahead, or did they decide a couple in a row, or like do we know where next year's is gonna be? I'm assuming we at least know where next year's also game is gonna be. I'm I'm not sure. That's a great question. I'm gonna look it up. I think it's gonna be in Indianapolis. Yeah, they're going to have it in, in Indiana. Well, let me look up 2005. If they have 2005 out, then we'll know. It's good. It, they, they don't know yet, but they're saying it could be returning to L.A. in 2025. So they're still deciding 2025, but they're... I know you were going to look that up, but I, I, I did it. I'd see the candidates are... The front runners are Phoenix, Boston, and San Francisco. Possibly in the mix. Sacramento, Detroit. Milwaukee, Orlando. And this came out a month ago. And it says, possibly in the mix, according to the Sacramento Bee, the team in the city placed bids for the 2022 and 2023 All-Star Game. However, they lost the bids to Cleveland and Salt Lake City, respectively, due to lack of sufficient hotel rooms despite Airbnb and cruise ship room options within downtown. Sacramento Kings are playing the fifth season. Yeah, just okay. So it is still saying due to... Well, how did Salt Lake City get it then? I don't know. We were, you know, Tony and I were just talking about... Airbnbs too? Well, Airbnbs kind of on the way down. Um, And then... I don't know. This isn't an economics or a business podcast. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I was going to say, you know, Tony and I were just talking not too long ago about like the Marriott off of Sunrise. 
<laughs> like who's we were like that's a front for something that's got to be a front for something but who's staying there why don't you get a nice little transit service a little uh shuttle between the the golden one center and the marriott off of sunrise it's like a 15 minute drive regardless it's not even far it's like it's really maybe 20 tops it's it's really not that far and like even Folsom I'm saying like I, if you don't want to stay off a of sunrise and rancho like I don't blame you completely like Folsom's 15 minutes up the road and it's you know very nice up there so go stay there I don't know how many hotels they have but <laughs> they're just being dramatic they just hate Sacramento I bet that changes next year when the Kings get good or you know they they are now good it's like oh yeah no Kings deserve one yeah I mean I don't know I feel like I would almost bet that before I I guess they haven't decided 2025 yet and they haven't decided 2026 I'm gonna make the bold prediction that 2026 it's gonna be in Sacramento no sooner no later 2026 all-star game in Sacramento you you heard it here first there's gonna be two all-stars representing the Kings that year you know who they're gonna be LeBron and Bronny (laughs) oh my god but at the end of the day the Kings deserve a all-star game in 2026 it's gonna happen so you heard it here first you heard it here first Zach King's talk SKT as I like to call it I was listening to the podcast last week when I was editing it and I was like because you started off you're like yeah the Kings did the trade deadline all they did was pick up KE and I missed that when you said it but I was listening to it back I'm like oh he really called him KE and just kept going you're really sticking to that nickname Dude, it's K-E. I mean, I don't, like, come on. Name me another person with those initials in the league. I, I off the top of my head, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how couldn't say, you know? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it sounds so much like KD. It's just strange. Um, yeah. Both yeah, formerly you know. Nets players, now both in the Pacific Division. That's right. They have a lot of connections. Yeah. In the in the second round of the playoffs when the Kings and the Suns face off and Kessler Edwards is starting. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's not going to happen. That would that'd be a bad, bad. He ends the season day. scoring 30 points a game in the month of April. I believe in Kessler Edwards. I think, you know, I think we can kind of start moving on to uh, another conversation. This is kind of an impromptu one, but I just came up with it. I think we should if you if if you can find a way to scrap one together because I didn't tell you about this until right now. But for the last twenty five games of the season, last second half, whatever you want to call it, uh, I want to hear a bold prediction. And my bold prediction is that Kessler Edwards is going to be in the rotation. You know what I mean? Kind of be that alternate guy. I think he's going to be on the floor far more than people recognize. That's my bold prediction. Um, I think that's I think that's a good prediction. I mean, we saw him. I mean, like, what else Suns. do they have? Exactly. <laughs> My bold prediction is that Rashawn Holmes is going to reclaim the backup center spot. Oh, my God. Okay. You, you like that? Now that's bold. Well, tell me why. I, that's that's a real one. Since we agree on the Kessler Edwards thing, I, I, that's interesting. I want to I want to know why. What, what's oh, your reasoning behind that? That's easy. Because Chemezi Matu's awful. Oh, my I just, God. I just did. We have to bring it up at least once, folks. Once That's... a podcast. Oh, Chemezi just... Matu. He's just terrible. 
Like Holmes, if the Kings want to do something in the playoffs, Holmes is going to have to be their backup. A six man, it's going to rotate back to him, as we've been calling it, the carousel of backup centers. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit him at least one more time by season's end. And he's going to secure it this time. I mean, he's not going to play like we wanted him to, like what we had hoped. But he'll he'll play decent enough where uh, Brown is going to have to keep in it, keep him in over Metu. Because man, I don't know, he's Rashawn Holmes. He's going to be pumped for the playoffs. Like I got to play better if I want to see some playoff minutes. I don't know if this dude's ever played in the playoffs. So if he wants to see some time in there postseason, he's uh he's going to have to turn things around quick. So. The carousel is going to land on him once more, and he's going to secure the job going forward. That is like such a such a cynical <laughs> endorsement of him. But I mean, that's kind of the only one you can give. I mean, yeah. didn't we 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 put out an article I think in like November. It was like a half-hearted appeal for Rashawn Holmes, and it was kind of yeah. the same reason. It's like why yeah. why not? I mean, like who else? Chimezi <laughs> um, Metu, Alex Lynn. Yeah, I don't I don't think people talk enough about the fact that Alex Lynn is just. There's a reason they haven't tried him there. Well, and yeah. There's a reason. That would be unkind. That would not be Yeah, unkind. he just He's just he not built just, for it. He's just No. He's just I, I mean, you gave you gave Alex I'm, I'm going to jump topics. Yeah, <laughs> I want quick. you to I want you to dog on my grades. Yeah, you You gave Alex Lynn a D plus for yeah. what? I what? thought that he I thought that when he needed to start against Jokic, and we talked about it at the beginning of the season, the only time we would ever see Alex Len is to play against a big center like Jokic. I thought he did okay. I know he was coming off of an illness, so his conditioning was particularly bad. And I thought for that reason, that earned him a D plus. Everything else though great. that I said in it. Yeah. Oh, do you so you think it should have the grade should have been higher? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or at least in, like in A or something. Or like you know, well, the reason I, I the reason I was so poor was because all that he's proven to me this season is that he just can't. He's not playable. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's his fault. Man, that been you know that's just the the fact of the situation. I mean, it's probably not his fault. It's not his fault, and that's not a condemnation of him. It's not like get the hell out. Of here. What are you doing here? Um, it's not. <laughs> but you know, I just think that at a certain point, we're talking about this center backup center position being an issue and we've seen Holmes have the job. We've seen Metu have the job. We've seen Keita have it for a second. And Mike Brown likes to say that he hasn't given Len the chance and maybe he hasn't, but there's a part of me that's just like in the limited time we've seen Len, we just know exactly how that would go. I, I mean, it's super fair. And I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a D plus because of that. I, I don't know. I guess it's just subjective. It's like, <laughs> I, I get like, if we're actually grading it, like you did, a D plus is very fair. But I'm almost leaning towards like, you know what, like, this guy signed before Mike Brown came in. Like, of course, this guy's not, like, set up for Mike Brown's, uh, like, offense or defense. It's just not his his build. So, I just feel like you're punishing him. <laughs> he's going to read this. Well, would you <laughs> say the same thing? the other night, and he's just, like, upset. And he's like, God, man, like, I'm just trying oh, yeah. my best out here. Oh, we see him on the email list. Oh, yeah. Uh, AlexLen25 at gmail.com. But would you say the same thing about Holmes? Am I being unfair to Holmes by giving Holmes a D minus? Oh no, because Holmes Holmes should not be this bad. He's just awful. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. I just Alex feel like Lynn's also with, Alex Lynn. You know, it's like whatever. Yeah, I mean, I was really close to giving Alex Lynn a C C minus, but I'm just like, at a certain point, you're just gonna keep a guy on the 
the roster to play against Jokic for eight minutes. That's a great point. Like we're talking about cutting people and we were talking about like cutting Chima Maneke or like uh, KZ or Chimezi Metu at the beginning of the season. You just cut Len at this point. I also, it's important to note that I was coming in, we came into the season and this goes towards all the, all the centers, excluding Sabonis. We came into the season saying that the center position is the most stacked. And part of that was, wow, Lynn is a pretty good third option, you know, kind of in like a similar way we were saying like Della Vadova is, but I've, that opinion has just declined. So that also factored in too. No, it's a good point. But I, think no, I, I hear I, you. I do, I do hear plus. you. D plus just seemed like it was it. Um, Seemed it did seem kind of harsh, but I, I I felt like I was too nice to the starters, so I <laughs> I, feel, I wanted to kind of come out the bench with a little bit of a vengeance <laughs> to dog on them. But no, I mean, I guess if I forget what we were talking about before this, they definitely your bold uh, prediction. Oh yeah, yeah whatever. That's my bold. Chimezi Metu's bad. <laughs> Here's a bold prediction: Chimezi Metu's going to actually hit uh, more than five threes in the year. That that's actually an interesting over under because I would would you put it at five and a half or four and a half because I could see him hitting five, five I don't know half. if he could five and a half. oh, oh for yeah, sure I, five and a half. yeah I could I could yeah I'd go under yeah, yeah his three point shot which is not like as you know it all the time was not great but it is it's not a factor what did you think of Metu getting a C plus do you think that was too nice because I did give him the benefit no, of the doubt by giving I mean, him a C plus you have to as much as I don't like Metu I, I you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt it's like well, Holmes has just been that bad. Like someone has to step up. Like Holmes deserves that D minus, right? Where it's just like, like Chimezi Metu wasn't like at the beginning of the season, like, kind of like what you're saying, like you graded Len low because he was rated higher at the beginning of the year. It's like Metu was like fourth string center, like fourth, yeah. third or fourth string power forward. So if we were step asking up if, in that yeah, role, we were asking if he was even like even had a chance to make the team. We were like, this guy seems like he's on the outside looking in. He seems like he's behind two or three guys in every position. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand why I gave him a C plus just because he's, you know, it, will I say it like over exceeded expectations? Like he has, I still don't would rather not have him as my backup yeah. center, but I mean, he has, and he's also only hit eight threes this year. So that is a very interesting over under five, five and a half. But yeah, did you want to talk a little more about the grades while we're here or did I jump too far ahead? No, I mean, like I know at the beginning of the season and we uh, we graded, we kind of went through the roster um, and graded players kind of off on the fly and then pulled out the old GPA calculator and uh, calculated a final grade for positional groups, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward and center just based off of specific positions in groupings to talk about the what 20 guys at camp um mm-hmm. so I, we, we we you know we have grades out on cap city crown that they're, they're not a consensus between tony and i but i think we should kind of go through and maybe based off of that as a baseline kind of go through and grade some of these positional groups in the same light you know taking into account how the season went in where they are in terms of what our expectations were and stuff like that. Does that sound okay? Let's do it. Okay. Well, I guess it would be important to, do you want to start with the point guards or we want to get chaotic here? No, no, let's start in the point guards. Uh, so uh, I guess we would start with De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. I, I think Fox for me, he's an A. He's uh 
He's not putting up the craziest numbers. He's, you know, around almost 25 points a game. I was kind of hoping to see him around like 29, pushing 30, like on the upper side of 20. I, I get he's doing more than just scoring. He's becoming a leader and an all-star on the third best team in the West. But um, I don't know. I, I just wish he would score more. He had that bad stretch. I don't care if his foot was hurt or not. He had a bad stretch in the season and, you know, kind of hurt his all-star chances. And and, and he was an injury reserve all-star. He wasn't a straight-up all-star. So I'm going to give him an A. Um, I think that's <laughs> where he is. I love how we have to really point out the – you have to point out like, well – that's why I'm going to give him an A. <laughs> like an A is still awesome. And I totally agree <laughs> Very with you. True. The, only, the only reason I go A-plus on the thing is because when I looked at the beginning of the season, I was like, there's a few things you'd really like to see De'Aaron Fox do. And I would like to see De'Aaron Fox do. And I think everybody would like to see him. It was get off to a good start, be a leader on a winning team, and make an all-star team. And, and throw in things like that have a better commitment to the defensive end, find ways to be a more dynamic impact on the floor. In a lot of ways, he's checked all the boxes. We, I, I guess I would just say that like from that standpoint, he just kind of gets a little extra credit from the standpoint of what people expected and really need, thought that he needed to do this season. I mean, he kind of like checked a lot of, if not all those boxes. And I think that that just kind of puts him over the top for his personal grade. I still think that, like I would make the argument that Sabonis is the team MVP, mm-hmm. um, that that, that the, whole, the whole thing kind of collapses without Sabonis. But Fox, in a, in a lot of ways, is just just looking at him as a player. He did exactly what you needed him to do, and he he made the All Star team. And we both know he should have been he should he shouldn't have been forced to be an injury reserve. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that a lot there's the the one thing that obviously stands out is that stretch with the the foot bruise. Because I kind of maybe I was really leaning into the fact that I gave him an A plus, but I took it from the standpoint of like think about the leadership that that shows that he wanted to play through it. I totally also see, and I don't really even disagree with the fact that it's like well you could show a lot of leadership by getting out ahead of it too, and I think he would do that if he was forced to the situation again. I think he learned from that, so I think that stands is a really good reason. I wouldn't disagree with you, and I would actually probably come down and if we're going to be grading these positional groups. I think I'm going to mark them down as an A as we try to grade these positional groups. I won't try to yank you up towards the A plus because I think I'm going to have okay. to pull more pull more weight on some other player. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So Fox, he's at an A, uh, and that will bring us to the backup baby on Mitchell. Man, ah, I I want to go around like a, a C plus really. I mean, his I maybe ah, man. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I don't. I forget your ranking exactly. I gave him a C. I gave him a C. C. And it's for the reason that he's done. Expectations were already pretty high for him on defense because he's just so talented, and he's not taking away from anything. He's the best defender on the team. He's changed games, set tones, done a lot of things off the bench with defense that nobody's going to notice by looking at a stat sheet. I totally get that. I love Davion Mitchell. I love watching him play. He's one of my favorite players to watch on the team. But it's not like he's going in there and it's not like he's going to be on an all-defensive team this year, I don't think. I feel like he didn't get recognized at the Rising Stars Challenge despite the fact that there were three teams, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, I just feel like it's not. No, it was actually four teams. Four. Well, there you I go. I said Look three last time. But one was like all G-leaguers. 
So, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, but th- th- my point is just like the defense. Like, if I was just rating his defense alone, I'd give him an A. Like, it's been great, but I kind of expected to give him an A. You know, it's in the same way that I gave Sabonis an A. I would never expect anything less. But the offense, it's just, and you can attribute it to the fact that maybe he doesn't 100% feel comfortable with his role or it's something that he's still kind of adjusting to. But the offense has just not been there. And I think one of the biggest things, the thing that probably made it easy to give him a C rather than a C plus, because you're talking about such a high peak with his defense and such a low trough with his offense. It just goes down into a valley in terms of his game. And so that kind of balances out into being an average overall. But the thing that kept him from being a C-plus in my eyes was that game in Indiana where yeah. he had a chance to just really do something. And he he bailed Indiana out. He let it be four on five. And he just never forced his, his will on offense. He was not driving. I think four out of his five field goal attempts were just like three-point attempts. He never put any pressure on the defense. Or, uh, yeah, on the defense. He never made himself known to be a threat with the ball in his hands. And I think he only had one assist. It was just, it was the last thing you wanted to see him do, especially in a situation that he's historically been good in. And um, I hate to make that dictate a a grade for 57 games by pinpointing it on one game, but I think that was a pretty good illustration of why a lot of people are frustrated with that. And a C's not a bad thing. I mean, like I was a C's equal degrees, man. Like, <laughs> I get you. I expect better, and I I feel like he could totally have a way better grade in the final twenty five if he kind of just forces his will a little bit more. It's not even about shooting a better clip from three. It's about having that intent. Like, do you actually believe that you're a threat when the ball's in your hands? You're a talented uh, driver at the rim. You're quick. You're not obviously as fast as Fox, but you seem about as quick as anybody. And just to see him shy away from that is just, I mean, come on. You'd like to see him take that step in his second season, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I I hear you for sure. I was leaning more with C plus just because he has been our best defender. He hasn't really let us down on that end too much. His offense, you, I mean, of course that's going to bring down his grade significantly. You said you wish you could give him an A just on defense alone, but I mean, there's there's two sides of basketball, right? And He's just he's been underwhelming. You expected him to take like a bigger step, and you know you can he, you we kind of see the offense in him, and he he has shown glimpses this year of his like good offensive production. But uh, I mean that that Indiana game was big and hurting his score. But his his offense this year just really hasn't been what we were expecting. It just didn't really take a jump. It's almost like decline compared to his rookie year. So. I'm, I'm going to say a C plus just because I don't want to ignore the defense. He has been super good on defense, but if we're, for the sake of keeping the same score, this is one where I'm willing to drop down to the C just because like he's an F on offense and like an A on defense. So it's a, it's a C. I mean, that's fair. I, I, just in, it's just one of those things where it's like, we know he can be just so much better. It's not a question of, does he have it? It's like, dude, just find that, that pocket, that comfort zone where you you know what you're doing. Some you've seen some guys adjust to being with Mike Brown, to adjusting to the new situation. I mean, like Barnes didn't have the first great what eight, twelve games of the season, but he figured it out. And Davion Mitchell has just seemed to. You've seen glimpses of it at times, but you know if that three ball isn't falling, he doesn't really seem to know how to get himself involved offensively. 
Mm-hmm. And it does kind of seem like he's kind of shied away from it almost more throughout the season. I mean, look at the difference between that game on Halloween in Charlotte versus the game at the beginning of the month in Indiana. It just, yeah. just seems a completely different player on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. He does. But, okay, we'll put him down to C. All right. Matthew Delicatessen. Deli. <laughs> Matthew Delvadova. I'm like, honestly... Like Oma's wanting to give this guy like an A minus. Like honestly, like for his role, he's a third string point guard. I like almost just like want to say an A. But like I get it's like <laughs> it's hard to justify that. But like this is what I was saying at the beginning of the year. When it was Quinn Cook versus Delavadova. I'm like, you want Delavadova because he is a third string point guard and he's gonna play that third string point guard position really well. Where Quinn Cook probably will try to weasel his way up to that second string. Where Delvanova, he knows his role. He's that third string guy. He's always ready. When they bring Delvanova in, he always brings an intensity, and they they it always seems to bring get the Kings back on track. My point is like you bring Delvanova in, and like the Kings, they don't get worse. If anything, they get better because he's kind of like a last resort kind of guy. And I don't know, he's a good leader, good locker room guy, and he just plays that third string well. You he's ready when you need him, and he plays good basketball. But like realistically. He is a third string point guard. So I don't know. I think you said a B plus. I'm like, great. But like, I don't know. Third string point guard for what he's doing. It's uh he's perfect for that role. I don't know what to say. Like he's an A plus as for a third string point guard. But mm-hmm. as a player, like, sure. I'll, I'll, I can say a B, a B plus. And just to make it clear, B plus, if, if I said C is equal to degrees, baby, I mean, B plus is really good. Think about C's average, you know, meeting expectations, not really exceeding expectations, not really falling below them. Like Della Vadova really proved that he's not a wasted roster spot. Both what he does in those plug-in moments is the third point guard, which is part of his job, which he's done great. Um, and then two, the fact that he's basically a player coach. Um, his co- The coaching staff of the Kings are more his colleagues than his authority, you know, like figures, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh He's terrific in that sense. The only reason I just keep him out of the A realm is because he is not like if Fox went down for two weeks or if Davion Mitchell went down for two weeks. I don't know if he's proven that by the end of that, he would be able to hold up. And also, you'd have to take into account that you'd have like other guys kind of patching up that hole, obviously, Monk or seeing more Terrence Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, Very true. So it's just kind of like. I keep him at the beep. I don't. I don't. I don't go too overboard. But I, Delavadova, talk about a a guy that I think every NBA fan that watched over the last decade, uh, everybody has respect for Delavadova for good reason, and he's a valuable part of this team. And I did think about giving him an A minus, honestly, but I was just like B plus. Let's not let's not go overboard here. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. And and I think when we grade the positional rankings, it's like. We're gonna have to take that into account. Like he has a B plus, but it's like Davion Mitchell's C outweighs it. You know. Yeah, the grades are not you know overall rankings of what their skill set is. You know, Davion obviously is a far more skilled player than Delavadova, but relative to the role and expectations. Yeah. So what what would you call the point guard group overall? The point guard group overall, what I the point guards? That's a good name for them. 
yeah, the point I'm, guards. <laughs> or are you talking about uh, the the final grade for them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I got this in front of me. I got a GPA calculator, <laughs> and uh, it puts them at a three point one zero. Do they have the little? Yeah, but are you weighting Della Vadova differently than Mitchell? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We got to do that differently. You should do like five, three, and one. Or I don't even. I know think that's what we did last time. Right? It makes sense. And that's how we should. Five, three, and one. So that comes out to be a three. Where's the? Uh, do they have a sheet? What's a three two six? Is that a B? A three two six is like a B, B minus. I think like a three five is like a B, and then like a four is like an A, right? So yeah, I guess that C is really holding them back, but yeah, um, it is. But I mean, just because Mitchell has that bigger weight. It is. That is true. I want to know what the heck a GPA two letter grade. <laughs> yeah, that's a B. That's a straight B. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> All right, shooting guards. <laughs> Kevin Herter, the starting two on this team. I gave him a B plus. I was so close to giving an A minus. And I don't think I would get a lot of pushback on the fact that he'd get a B plus just on that standing alone. Do you think? You you think that that's off? I mean, considering the fact that he has shown some wear down with higher usage and a bigger role, but he's undeniably been good. And at the same time, he's shown a lot of improvement in defense, but has also shown kind of some areas that still need improvement. Um, yeah, I, I could even say Herder more of a B than a B plus, hmm. just considering that he's declined. Like in his three point percentage. And I just want to preface this with like this dude came in to shoot threes and he started off hot. You know, he's so very hot. And he is what you said, shooting like in the 20% like, this yeah, month. Like 20, 29% through eight. Yeah. And it's just like the inconsistency brings it down for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's playing decent defense, but it still hasn't been like incredible. I mean, I could see a B plus as well. I don't think an A minus. I don't think he's that high. Just because he's been, he's just, that three ball has just fallen off so hard. And yeah, he does other things well still, but at the same time, you you need this dude to hit threes. And he's still shooting 39%. That's what you kind of expected. So it's just like a B. He hasn't like, I I think he's doing exactly what we thought he would do this year. Regardless of his inconsistencies. Like if you look at his stats, I'm like, okay, like, so I was kind of assuming that's what Herter would be doing this year. Um, he's kind of just like getting by. And I think that's a B student, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's actually a pretty fair assessment. I think like offensively, I think you're totally right about the three ball. When you think about how important three-point shooting in terms of surrounding Sabonis and Fox with three-point shooting, how important that was. Uh, it was obviously a priority of the offseason by getting Herter, Monk, and can't forget Murray. Um, in the draft so I think that that holds a lot of weight I think that's a good point and then it's just like the one thing that does kind of like I was really when he was coming into the coming into the Kings I was like man this guy when you watch some of the stuff he does defensively in Atlanta it's like he kind of gets caught flat-footed gets you caught using his hands and a lot of stuff like that and that's still more or less the same like he'll get in foul trouble he gets beat by guys when forced into one-on-one situations but off ball, he's been a, like a model citizen. He's been terrific. Just con- constant progression in terms of getting uh, interceptions from the weak side, coming from that side to help, things like that. He's he's a very smart player. 
it's kind of just physically limited in some ways. And that was kind of the reason I gave him a B plus because you add all that together on the defensive end. Maybe that's not really exceeding my expectations, but the one element that kind of gives it the B plus for me, although I really do not have any issue giving him a B, but the one thing is, is it's like he's shown that he can still put up 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 points a game and go one of six from three. It doesn't need to, he doesn't need to rely on that outside jump shot. His, the chemistry that he's formed with Sabonis, I think he, the, that two man game, I, mean, I think that's the, the most frequently used two man game on the team, more than Fox and more than Monk and more than anybody else. I think Murray would probably be next. I just mm-hmm. think that's kind of interesting. But yeah. I, I'm not going to – I like what you said for giving him a B. And if we're going to okay. give Davion Mitchell a C, then I think we should – I think – maybe I was a little bullish on her. I was afraid that I was too hard on Herder. My mom no. read my grades and she said, I think you're being too hard on Kevin Herder. She's a big Herder fan. She is. Herder, B, solid, very good. I like that. Malik Monk, off the bat, I gave him a B. I thought about giving him a B minus, honestly, but still kind of feel like there's this, even when he was going through his slump, the and this was my factoring into it. Even when he was going through his slump, which was like him averaging like ten points a game on really bad percentages, it's not like his facilitating dropped off. He was still averaging about four assists a game, and I, I think to some degree, the fact that he's the one guy on the bench that he's not going to win six man of the year. He's not even in the top five. He's barely in the top 10, but he's in the top 10. That says something. And I think what he did at the beginning of the season in terms of, I think he had such a huge role in when the Kings really got rolling early on in terms of what he was able to do as kind of a primary facilitator. He was averaging close to five assists at the beginning of the season, actually because of what he was doing when Sabonis would go off the floor. And I, I maybe I don't factor that kind of stuff in fairly to everybody. I'm not saying that I'm grading everybody perfectly here. Um, but I, 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 I have a hard time not giving Monk a B, you know? Kind of in that same sense that thinking about the expectations too. You always say that Malik Monk is streaky, but it's like every, he's always been. That's just Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel like just based off of that, I think that, that that's the reason I would go with B. What would you go with for Malik Monk? No, I agree with the B. It's just, it, it is the inconsistency. Um, I mean, there have been stretches, just like everyone, but where he's played like, man, A guy, um, six man of the year candidate for real. But then he, you know, then goes on that slump and he's like, oh man, like, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> and so... It is the inconsistencies that bring him to be. Um, he sometimes he plays like an A, and then some stretches he plays like an F or a D. And so, I mean, for those reasons alone, it's just that's just a B guy. Where Herder's kind of like, yeah, he's putting up like those normal stats. Where a B guy, it's like Monk is more on the sense where it's like, man, he's like an A student one month, but it, like it's just a D student the next. And so kind of like Herder, you kind of have to meet him in the middle a little. So I can see you going down to a B minus, but I think he's played more good basketball than bad. He's had more of those A months than like the like the D months. And then of course he's had like B months. No, I'm just like, you know, really going into these grades. But um <laughs> I think he's uh I think he's a B for sure. Because he's still an important player. He's doing well on the team. Um you but like you kind of wish you could have given him A minus. 
So he has kind of, I guess, under, um, he's underperformed. <laughs> but it's still not a bad grade. So I, I no, agree with a, a B for the monk. It just, they come, it comes down to the fact that it's like not at all surprising that he's inconsistent. I would say like the biggest thing for monk or the biggest thing that you could maybe complain about, maybe I didn't make a big enough deal about this, but what is he shooting from three this season? He's shooting like 32% from three. Yeah. Considering he like came off like last year, shooting 39. Yeah. And it's like, mm. I mean, aside from his free throw percentage, all his shooting percentages are down. But I don't know. I think that might have something to do with the fact that he's taken on a new kind of facilitating role. I don't know how much all that factors in. But that same thing that we said about Herter, he picked up three guys in the offseason to bolster the shooting. And Herter, like we talk about him being inconsistent and stuff like that. He's still shooting a pretty good percentage. Keegan Murray is awesome. He's arguably the best. He's on his way to being one of the best uh, three-point shooters as a rookie ever. And then you have Malik Monk, who's just... Like he's, he never really had it going. I think he's had stretches of like eight to 10 games where he's shooting like 40%. I think the right before he hurt his ankle, the previous eight games, he's been shooting like about 40%. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was like shooting 35 and everybody was like, well, that's going to go up. And it really only went down. So yeah, I think that factors in massively. But then at the same time, it's like, I never would have saw that he would have been the passer that he is for this team. And that's yeah. remained pretty consistent. I mean, like, yeah, it was closer to five at the beginning of the year, but it's remained about 3.9 assists a game, about four. And also, he's been way better than I thought he would be on defense. So in a lot of ways, it's just like I feel like he falls right into that B realm. Just B. I think so, too. I think so, too. So two Bs. I mean, pretty good. I mean, this was one of the higher, um, yeah, you know, rated uh, uh, groupings, position grouping. When at the beginning of the season, so to and, and then to cap it off with the oh, other yeah. shooting guard, we, we got uh, we got Terrence Davis, you know. And I mean, I, I almost want to give this guy like a B plus just for his readiness in his sporadic minutes. He's been he's been really good as that third string point guard, and it, like I say, a guy who can probably be a second string point guard on most teams. I'm saying point guard. I mean shooting guard. And so it's, I, I think in that sense, just his overall readiness, he's usually playing with hustle, uh, you know, playing his heart out every time he sees the floor uh, in these spotty minutes he's getting. And that's something you can really admire because like, like he he should be getting more minutes, but we just have two really good shooting guards above him. And so in, in that sense, I, it's hard to give him a B plus, kind of like the Del Vadova. I want to give him an A minus for that reason. Uh, I mean, Terrence Davis has had bad games. His defense hasn't been the best, but or at times it hasn't been the best. But I think just overall, I, I think he deserves a B, just like his counterparts at that shooting guard position. W- what do you think? I think you had it spot on at first. I think he definitely deserves a B, a B plus. I don't okay. think there's any doubt. We came into this season saying, like, this guy has a chance to really kind of, like, force his way into being a factor on this team. And in a lot of ways, he's done ex- all he can. Aside from the fact that he's had spotty minutes and whatnot, um, he comes in, and once that rhythm comes back, sometimes he's the most – he's the scariest scorer on the floor at times. Yeah, you know? I mean, like the Nets game. Yeah, I mean, he's capable of that at any point. He's His, his value as a spot starter has been incredible. And to the point about defense, 
Terrence Davis, statistically, I mean, I don't read too much into the defensive rating and stuff like that because if you do that, you start factoring in. You're like, well, then Chemezi Metu, because Chemezi Metu has an insanely good defensive rating. And the reason I would say that he probably has a great defensive rating and there's probably other factors involved in this, but think about how much he plays with Davion Mitchell. Think about how much he plays with Darren Fox, who on the defensive rating front isn't great, but ball pressure-wise, he's been great. Monk has been a pretty good defender this year. And I think Terrence Davis is the third best applier of ball pressure on this team. He's definitely the most susceptible of Mitchell, Fox, and Davis. I think Davis is the most susceptible of the three to foul, which I think is one of his biggest knocks on defense. But from the moment in that game against Phoenix at home, where he had, he had that like learning lesson that, that, that with Mike Brown, where he didn't step up, then he did, drew the charge. That's like a perfect microcosm for what he what he is on the defensive end. He's just constantly trying to be better. He's constantly trying to make a difference. And if he's not fouling people, which he kind of started to do in the second game against Phoenix right before the break, I think he had a couple of fouls there. I think all in the third quarter or something like that. That was about a week ago now, so I'm not 100% sure. But other than that, like I guess what I'm saying is the biggest fault for him on defense is he's a little too zealous. Like a little overzealous with his with his uh, activity, but I think if you look at deflections per thirty six minutes, he's easily in first place on the team. He's a terrific defender, in my opinion. And I always said, and you pointed it out too, this guy's got a six nine wingspan on a six four frame. That's not incredible, but it's something. He's got some length. You add that frenetic activity that just he just plays with on every end of the floor, and has had to do as an undrafted free agent. I mean, and then given the fact that he's the third shooting guard, he's not offered as many uh, opportunities in the rotation relative to the role. He's been awesome. And all I can think about, especially after Monk hurt his ankle, and granted, that's not a super big injury, but it's just like, man, you're just really happy to have Terrence Davis if you're Mike Brown because you lose Monk for a bit. I mean, obviously, Monk's great, but well, well, you got Davis. It's not a big deal. It really takes the brunt of that hit off. And mm-hmm. I think for all those reasons, Terrence Davis deserves a B plus. I mean, he's just been great. He's just a constantly running engine and he's had to stay ready the most for any opportunity that he's had, even more than Trey Lyles, even more than Chemezi Metu. And he, he, he more or less does pretty well, especially if he's got a rhythm going. When he's thrown mm-hmm. into something after not playing for a while, you kind of give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, but he'll figure it out a game or two later. But get that thing going. And he's one of the better three. He's better three-point shooter this season than Monk. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about Terrence Davis. It's hard not to. So I would make the argument that he gets a B plus. I'm very down for that B plus. Well. So we got two Bs, a B plus. Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be around like a three, four. Three, oh, no, probably around a three, five, three, six. Oh no, two Bs and a B plus at the same credits, five, three, and one. Is that fair? Yeah. Or should we give Yeah. It's a three point oh three, so it's a B minus average. What? How? That's that that's a yeah, never mind. Three point oh is a B. That's a B yeah. average. But okay. it is a three point oh three. Because anything between okay. a three point oh and a three point three. So shooting gad B. That's two Bs for the position yeah, group. Two Bs. Makes sense. I and I'm assuming that may be the highest score. Too, but um, yeah, I don't think it's gonna exceed that. Yeah, it's. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh, we'll find out in a sec. We'll find I mean, out. We, I don't know. 
All right. On to the little forwards or the small forwards, as some call them. Uh, Harrison Barnes. I think he... What would you give him? An A minus? I gave him an A minus, which I feel like was the most contentious grade given out. Like, I, maybe. A minus, because I think, just in short, I think he's proven that he's the third most important player on the team. And we talked about him having less of a load and watching his stats fall. That shouldn't be an issue. I think the three-point shooting, the start he had, was undeniably disappointing. Um, he also looked lost kind of at the beginning of the season in terms of that adjustment. But that didn't even go too long. That early season slump outside of the three-point shooting really was not that extensive. It was just glaring because the Kings started 0-4, and Harrison Barnes had been one of the more steady presences on this team for the last couple of years. I think that played a lot into it. And at the end of the day, I think Harrison Barnes is the type of guy that Mike Brown has started at times to use him with Darren Fox to play with the second unit at times to kind of level things out there. He's the type of guy that when things get stagnant or when things kind of get a little choppy on offense, he'll take it to the rim and get to the line or something like that. Um, start if, whether it, they needed paid touches in particular or not, he'll find a way to kind of just he almost kind of just shakes the etch a sketch, you just kind of start over. And I think for all those reasons, and the fact that he's providing a championship pedigree and experience that is an intangible trait, I don't disagree with it's hard to prove, but I just think all those things together culminate into the fact that he's the third best player not the third best player i don't know if he's the third best player in terms of like just skill level but importance to the team he just he's the third most important player on the team in my opinion you know and that might have something to do with the fact that he doesn't really have like if he gets hurt you know and you like how realistic is it that you're going to keep terrence davis starting at the three or whatever the deal or herder starting at the three and td at the two like you're going to be forced into situations. So that factors into it. And I don't want to give him an A minus because of that, but I just think the other reasons kind of stand out to me at least. I, I agree. Um, I could, I could fall into that B plus category, but I mean, Harrison Barnes is Harrison Barnes. He's a tried and true professional, right? Um, and still even can be a go-to scorer, even though I was kind of saying at the, uh, the earlier this season, or before the season started, I'm like, yeah, he's going to do really good as a fourth scoring option. Like, you know, he's still a guy that, man, like, if you need a bucket, you go to this guy or he gets to the line. And and just his professionalism, I just I don't know if he's playing like an A-minus player. But also, you don't really need him playing like at the top. I don't know. It's weird. It, he's a tough one for me, I guess. Because it's like, yeah, he's doing yeah. good in his role, but it is a reduced role at the same time. And so maybe it's different from years past where he was like that second scorer. But I mean, he's doing good as a re- in the reduced role, still shooting that three ball well, and just being that vet on this team that he always has been. So I, 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 I'm good with an A minus really for that. He didn't mean Harrison Barnes being Harrison Barnes, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I would just say that like he's the type of guy that it's like I don't know if you've ever worked at like a restaurant, but you have like that guy that comes in. He just started working there, and he just comes in, and every day he'll just be like, "What do you need me to do?" Because he just yeah. doesn't have a role in the kitchen or whatever the deal is. Like, what do you need me to do? And it's just like, yeah. whatever it is. Because if you look at Harrison Barnes' like game log, it's like, oh, he had a six-rebound game, and then he'll have like a one-rebound game. 
But then the difference between that will be like, oh, but he scored 11 points in that first game and then scored 20 in the next game. He finds yeah. different things to do. And then, uh, like, the first time they played against Toronto and then I think it was the January win against the Lakers, like, Harrison Barnes was great in that game because he guarded Pascal Siakam in the second half against Toronto and, like, was part of the reason that he was not a factor in the second half against the Kings. And it was a little bit of the same. He was guarding like LeBron all game. And I think in that that Laker game I'm talking about, I think he won the defensive player of the game chain. He's just constantly doing different things. And maybe you can almost say that it, it, you can almost view it as an inconsistency thing for the reason it's like, oh, the rebounding numbers vary. The scoring numbers vary. But he finds a way to make that impact in, in a similar way that we'll talk about with Trey Lyles. It's almost just like, he finds where the gap is and he fills it in, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's like, a, he's like putty. You just put him in and he'll fill in whatever the hole is. You just sand it down a little bit and figure it out, you know? Yeah. And I think in yeah. a lot of ways, that's just, that's so important for a team. And I think come playoff time and that people maybe will be able to recognize that a little bit more. Not to say that people don't recognize that. I think Barnes gets a lot of credit for that, but I think for all those reasons, I give him an A minus, and I and I totally be. I'm not like if someone was like, no, he's a B plus, or he's even a B. Like I totally get where you're coming from. Totally get where you're coming from. It really yeah. depends on how you view that like slump and the shooting kind of aspect of things. Because even like he was great in January from three, but I think in February he's also closer to thirty percent. So, but you know, I'm gonna go with you with the A minus. I, I think Barnes has been great this year. I really like Barnes. Like. He's not throwing up like crazy numbers, which makes me want to dip, you know, dip his grade to the B plus. But it's like, and you don't need him to have the big numbers, and he's doing well in his role. He's doing super well, and yeah, he's had like on and off, but he's there every night. He's a guy who hardly misses games. A guy that you can have out there with any lineup, really. He's going to play well. Um, you know, he's going to be a positive player on the floor, um, and he's a, he's a huge part of. And, He's like that only guy at the small forward position too. It's like him. Like yeah, we're like I'm like who else? Yeah. Like got Paula and Kessler or K- KE, um, KZ and KE. KZ and K. Yeah, I like that. And HB. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of have to. Uh, yeah, she's an A minus. That dude. I, I, I do to. think the lack of depth behind him has to, it has to factor in. Oh, uh, it has to. It, yeah, it has to. As we will demonstrate with these grades. Aziak Pala, I think he's a pretty standard definition of a C in my mind in terms of the fact that, like, yeah, he made the team. That wasn't necessarily a guaranteed thing, although in hindsight it seemed a little kind of guaranteed. Um, but he's exactly who we thought he was. He hasn't really proven to be anything more than we thought he was, and he hasn't been, he really proven that he's anything less. You know, comes out there, yeah. plays pretty good defense. We'll foul, though. Um has his moments where he'll look like he fits in on offense. And then he has his other moments where he's either clunking it off the side of the backboard from the corner or getting hesitant with his three-point shot, which is even worse. Um, his kind of like understanding and awareness of where to be on the floor can be suspect at times. But that's like, I'm not surprised by any of that. You know, it's yeah. like he gives you potentially a defensive option, but the fact that he's, you know, maybe they're orienting him to get a little more playing time down in, Stockton to kind of get a little more de- get kind of focus more on the developmental side of things. I think that's that's good, and that's kind of where you wanted him to be. We talked about him as 
he's probably a guy you want to keep on the team because he has that potential to be an impact guy in a rotation, but he hasn't thus far proven that he could be that. Although he's shown glimpses, small glimpses at times. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant to go lower. Maybe just because I, like, I don't like him because he started. <laughs> like, I don't like KZ, but it's like, let's like, I've always got like a bad notion of a KZ when it's like, let's start him. And I'm like, why? Like, why not Trey Lyles? Maybe just because like, I'm a big Trey Lyles fanboy. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really think KZ Akpala 100% deserved to make this team in the first place. But, you know, like, I, I, I can go to a C. He's been a good defender. He's a guy who rarely plays and. You bring him in for one thing, and that's defense. And that's kind of like where we're giving Davion Mitchell grade to C. It's like he's a great defender. On offense, it's like, yeah. Especially KZ, it's like, yeah, he, he'll hit down a couple threes. But most of the time, he's a liability on that end of the floor. Um, kind of the reason why he is unplayable or not really in a rotation in this league, even though he has that great defense, is that he just he's not he's not good on the offensive end. Uh, it's kind of a bummer. So... Uh, just for a guy in a very limited role, it's funny to call this guy even a backup. I almost want to like outweigh this from like five three one to like seven one one for Harrison. Well, uh, just, once we get to Kessler Edwards, I think we'll definitely re we'll definitely adjust the uh, credit system. I guess. <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm okay with the C for that reason. It's such a small sample size. He hasn't been awful. He hasn't been great, and just you know. It's a guy who's going to come in and play good defense. And I think that's, yeah, deserving of a C, really. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, there's no surprises. It's just yeah. exactly who we thought. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing. And again, credit to him for being on the NBA squad. Credit for him, uh, credit to him for you know, putting himself into a position to be an impact player at some point, potentially. But yeah, mm-hmm. C. I think for sure. Kessler Edwards, um, we could grade him, but I'm just going to say incomplete. That's the grade I gave him. He played one game. It looked good, but that's not a, I, I just don't think that that's enough of a, it's enough of a workload there to give an honest grade. Yeah. Besides I gave my, my bold really prediction not. that he'll, he'll, we'll, we'll have a grade to give him after the next 25 games. Uh, yeah. But I would put it incomplete. We would just not include him, but we'll give him the mention here. But I do think that if we're giving Harrison Barnes five credits for him, Casey Akpal is going to get one. And, oh, look at that. And then A minus at five credits and a C at one credit. By golly. <laughs> that's, a, mean, it, that's a B plus. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very weighted on Barnes. But the... the so we've talked about the lack of a backup small forward. So I remember going into this, we were <laughs> Kent Bazemore is being rated in this. Um, yeah. So. Well, let's see what happens if I put a one credit in as an F. They don't have an incomplete or like a withdrawn or anything. <laughs> okay, that really you get an F, down. Kessler. You been here <laughs> one game. An well, how about we give? Him, I'm just gonna. How about we put him at C at one credit? No, because I don't know. This is a small forward group just because of Harrison Barnes. And we have to factor in the lack of depth somehow um, because that comes out to be a B plus, And now that's going to be the highest graded. <laughs> I know. It, it's, it's just a weird position. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm fine. It doesn't matter. At the end of the we're going to give we're going to give Kessler Edwards a C. 
if we're going to put that as the baseline, I'm going to give him a okay. C because I, I don't feel comfortable giving the small forwards a B plus. This is exactly how <laughs> grades are decided, kids. You should not trust your teachers. Yeah. I, They're sitting yeah. around drinking wine. They're being like, what do you think about Ed- Edwards? Yeah. Uh, Edward's a good kid. I know his older brother was cool, but I don't know about this one. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> probably how it goes. But yeah, uh, okay, I, well, so the small forward group will give him a B, which I still think is kind of generous, given yeah. the lack of depth. Yeah. But yeah. Oh well. That's how it works. Life. I don't that's make the life. rules. Okay. I guess it's just going to be Keegan Murray and Trey Lyles because Metu's in the center group now. Yes. Um, so this is this actually has a potential to be really good then. Um, yeah. Keegan Murray. That um, I mean, that, as a as a rookie, what do you grade him as? Considering an everything, an A. He's an A. No, that's. Yeah. I no doubt that no doubt that dude's an A. He's he's a, a rookie. He's the only rookie starting on a playoff team, and he's also might break the rookie record in three pointers. And already broke the Sacramento Kings rookie record. He is exactly why the Kings drafted him. And he's fitting. I mean, not exactly why. You definitely expect more from Murray down the line. But as a rookie, he's I mean, he's playing just as good as Barnes and Herter at that like th- three and D type of player. Maybe not just as good, but he's arguably the best three point shooter out of the three of them this year. And that's saying a lot in itself. He's just he's just fit into the role, the rotation. Exactly how you needed that power forward to that power forward to be this year, and you can't overlook that, especially as a rookie. And he definitely gets a little higher grade as that rookie because it's a rookie, right? So he he's just been amazing. I I've been really happy with Keegan, even in his slump in November. He hasn't really looked back since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I struggled with, and I gave him an A minus. And I think that was that was pretty easy to just give him an a, give him give him something in that you know realm up in the highest echelon. The only reason I was like hesitant to give him an A, I start thinking about it. Then I'm like, well, think about the other rookies. What's the one thing that stands out? That's a big difference between Keegan Murray and then Paolo Bancaro and Ben Mathurin is the the top two for rookie of the year right now. Like those guys are. Uber, I mean, like, not to say that Keegan Murray lacks confidence. He seems like a very confident guy. Never got down on himself through his November slump. Has only responded throughout the season. He, If anything, he likes tough love. Those are all good signs for a player's confidence. But it's like, sometimes you watch Bancaro and Mathurin, you're like, these guys sometimes act like they've been playing in the league for years. Mm-hmm. And just kind of comparing them to the rest of the rookie class, I, I I feel like I use that as kind of a reason to knock him down to an A minus, but I would not if if you're strongly into giving him an A, I see no reason why not, honestly. Other than no, no, let's go, let's knock him down. Let's take a stroke <laughs> the ego. It's, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna grade him as a rookie and as a player. Um, you know, he is consistent at times and as a power forward, I wish he would get some more rebounds. So I'm going to knock him down to an A minus for those two reasons. I would also say this. It's like if I bet if you asked his dad or even if you asked him, like, I don't even think he would be grading himself in the A range. That's, you know, what I mean? that's very fair. No, you're hundred percent correct. But so, okay, we'll put him down as an A minus, which is still okay. really good. Which, yeah. Trey Lyles. 
trade day. I don't trade. think we're going to have much difference here. I don't think I don't think we should. Yeah, I, mean, I gave him an A minus only because <laughs> I don't know. It's I mean, hard to get. You almost want to give him an A. It's just like A is just such a good grade. I, that's, you know? That is fair. That is fair. A, but in, I would say this. I mean, there's a reason that he would be the only person off the bench that gets anything above a B plus. And that's because he's been the most consistent in terms of both ends of the floor in what he does. He's just been the most consistent contributor. And he always has a way of impacting the game in a positive manner. I mean, I think outside of Barnes. little mistakes too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Outside of Barnes, it's like talking about player, like basketball IQ. He's got one of the best basketball IQs on the team. Easily. And as a guy off the bench, that's huge. You know, I don't know. He just, he's, we've always known throughout his whole career that he's been a great rebounder. He's got the body for it, all that. And he's been a good rebounder for this team. He's always going in there. Sometimes when you see the Kings getting away from boxing out, from getting all in on the boards, you know, the two guys, and they're not always out there together, the two guys that are constantly on the boards is DeMontis Sabonis, the leading rebounder, and Trey Lyles. Whether he's coming down with it or not, he's always down there fighting with one or two guys, battling for a rebound. You can always Mm. point out constant moments for that. But the rebounding hasn't even been the best thing. It's been the three-point shooting in the defense. And the three-point shooting has just been – it's been great. It's pretty much what we expect because he's shooting like what, 35 or 36%. Let me get it right here. He's shooting 36%, which is about what he shot in his 25 games with Sacramento last year. Um, overall with Detroit and Sacramento, he shot 32% from three. I mean, that's just been huge. He's he He's really been one of the more reliable options from beyond the arc this season. And then same thing to that kind of basketball IQ – He's one of the best team defenders on the team, and he's solid as a power forward. We've seen him as the small five. Whatever you need him to do, he he does it. And I don't know. I would almost make the argument that he's been the best bench player. I mean, I think that that's just. I think he, so. he probably has been absolutely. Yeah, he, I mean, he's most consistent, consistent by far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just keep saying the same thing about Trey Lyles because we just dude, we love Trey Lyles. As soon as he got that start in OKC late last year, yeah, and he, he scored like twenty points or something like that, and it was like, Dude, oh, he's yeah, been the that man. guy's that guy's legit. That guy, yeah. you have that guy coming off the bench, like that's great. And this is what I said in the great in the article for the grades, which you all should go read and get angry at. It, it started off by saying it's bordering on absurdity that after twenty four games in Sacramento late last season, including twenty starts. Trey Lyles got stuck with two did-not-plays in the first four games of the season, with one of his lone appearances being in mop-up time. When you think about it under that context, you almost kind of want to give KZ Akpala a lower grade. (laughs) (laughs) How is he getting DMPs? That was crazy. I I remember that was so crazy. Yeah, I I don't know what was going on. I don't know why he was getting DMPs. It it made no sense. But easy A-, minus, and I think that's going to make this the highest... If we give I know. Yeah, five no, credits and three credits, a three seven, that's a pretty good GPA. Jeez. That's an A minus. I mean, both of them are A minuses. By golly, hey, I don't think the, was the power forward position rated that high. I don't think so. Don't it couldn't so. have been. No, because we had Metu in there. <laughs> at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, which this is that's a nice transition into the centers. We got four guys. <laughs> Two guys, 
one guy that is an all-star, one guy that plays surprisingly, but also compared to the rest of the field, not so surprisingly. And then two guys that I think we prefaced it by saying earlier did not get very good grades. I guess we'll start with the all-star Sabonis a for all-star, you know? Oh yeah. I, I mean, Stand- I even standards say- are, go yeah. ahead. I mean, I, I was going to say, I might even say an A+. Plus. I just think he's been that good for us, really. I mean, he's I mean, he's everything and more, really. Like, the, the third seed, we're the third seed because of him. And also a lot of underperforming teams in the West. But, I mean, I, I think a Fox gets an A, and I get a, or an A+. Plus, I think Sabonis gets an A+. Plus. That's fair. Uh, but I factor in what I said about Darren Fox getting an A+. Plus. I said he gets an A plus because he exceed like he really did exceed my expectations. Like I kind of ex- like I expected Domas to like eight, 18, 19 points a game, twelve. Yeah, rebounds. but it's more it's more than I stats know. for me. Mm-hmm. It's more than that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why not. I mean, he's like I said, this 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 whole bridge collapses without him. So, yeah. and he's playing with a fractured thumb, which. I mean, like people just throw that out there as a token thing, but I mean, that means something. I mean, yeah. Why not? That's my name spelled backwards. What? That is Tony. That's interesting. All right, I'll give him an A plus, and I really have no problem giving an A plus, given the fact that what is about to follow is not pretty. Jamezi Mamba. We were kind of talking about it a second ago. C plus is what I gave him in the grades. Um. And it's a very interesting situation with Chemezi Metu because in a lot of ways, we were, we, were, we were talking about at the beginning of the season whether or not he had a place in the league. He had It did not seem as if he had really shown that he definitively did and that if you could get a replacement for him, you, there's no reason to keep this guy. I mean, you could easily find somebody that does what he does with maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling. That was our argument. Yeah. Well. To his credit, he's proven that he does have a place in the league, that he has some value doing certain things. And in a lot of ways, he's exceeded personal expectations. But it's hard denying the fact that even if he's exceeding expectations, even if he's kind of worth applauding given what we were expecting out of him prior to the season, you have to take into account. It's impossible to ignore the fact that Despite that, you still everybody can agree that you still need to upgrade behind Sabonis, and I think all that you combine all that together, you mold it down into one snowball, and then that comes out to be a C plus. And I wouldn't go any higher. I'm not even thinking about going higher than that. I think a C plus could honestly, you could make the argument that that's maybe a little generous. But if we're talking about C being like flat, like average, absolute average, I give him that plus just because of the factor that we were kind of like, I really don't know what Chemezi Metu is going to bring to this team. And he's done some things for this team, whether or not we want to see him do that. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, I, I'm okay with that grade. He stepped up. You, you didn't want him to be your, even your fourth or your third string center. We went into the season thinking it was going to go Sabonis, Holmes, Lent. And so him to step up and have that consistent role as number two, as we've seen Holmes flounder and Lynn just, you know, 
rightfully not getting any minutes just because he'd get eaten up alive in this uh, Mike Brown scheme. Uh, I, I'm okay. Would you, you say C plus? Sorry, C or C plus? Yeah, C, C plus. plus. And as much as I give hate to Chemezi, um, I mean, I will, you know, applaud him for stepping up uh, into that backup center role. I mean, like, it's not his fault at the same time. <laughs> Holmes has been terrible, and he's had to play more than we hoped he would. So I, I, I'm okay with that that grade um, mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, and it's like, don't get it confused. He's never the reason the second unit is playing well. He just kind of mm-hmm. is along for the ride. Yeah. And he can hurt you. I mean, he hasn't really done that since he's gotten the second uh, center spot back. Uh, I think that was against Orlando in mid-January. But since then, he he seemed to be like he lost the starting center or the backup center job rather in Toronto in December. And he was just playing outside himself. So he's still a risk to doing that. And so I think how he closes out the second half of the season, but whether he closes out the second half of the season as a backup center still kind of remains to be seen. Kind of just moving on from Metu and transitioning there, talking about the next guy. The one that Tony had the bold prediction to say, because <laughs> Chemezi Metu is so uh, unexceptional as a backup five. I think it's a kind way to say it. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, in Tony's opinion, could or should, or not maybe should, but will end up with the backup five spot, despite the fact that he's been absolutely horrible. Um, what would you grade Rashawn Holmes' first half? Uh, a, a straight F. Just straight F. You you go from being a very, you know, solid center who was like led the league in field goal percentage um, combined over his last two years. And then, or I, or maybe the two years before last year, and just being a fan favorite, everyone loved him and stuff. And man, just to like <laughs> becoming just non-existent on this team and this rotation. Um, it's just been so, I mean, it's the, it's the big, biggest disappointment of this year by far for this team. I mean, not, I mean, not even playing any minutes at all being unplayable. It's that's an F that's a hundred percent an F we were so excited for like this center and the depth and what he would provide for that backup center depth. Jeez. Like when Chimezi Metu's playing over you, you uh you got some issues. So I I I mean I don't see why he gets anything higher. He he had one good outing against the Lakers as a starter, but I mean that's not his role. He's a backup, should be night in, night out. And he's not. And he's gave, he's had the chance twice now to keep it lost at both times. So uh he's I think uh, he's not he's an F. He's just a straight failure. That's <laughs> a little, sounds a little <laughs> rough, but that's what F stands for, right? And that's that's why I did not give him an F because I'm just like, well, he's still in the league. <laughs> it's not like he did. It's not like he's had any moments of. Unf- I just don't. I I feel like an F is. It's almost harder to dole out an F on a guy. But he's like I I said it in the what call like he comes about as close as ever. Uh, you're not performing 
in the role that you're expected to play that you should be able to play based, you know, going from a starter to a bench player, arguably his best trait energy being that fan favorite would play into his benefit in that role. And in a role that you'd play somewhere between nine and 14 minutes a night, energy should be easy to muster. And it just hasn't. He's been really bad defensively. He'll foul. Um, He's been awful, and he's the fifth highest paid player on the team. But I just, I'm just that the, I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know if you can give him an F. I don't know, I just, and I wouldn't give anybody an F. An F, an F just seems like, it just seems kind of, that seems harsh. Man, <laughs> that's for no, that's, that's no it's reason. It's a harsh reason. season, man. He's, I, I know, I mean, he, he has, he has. So what are you saying, a D, a D minus? Yeah. I just Fine. just on the principle of not giving him an F. Fine. And I get if that just makes people scratch their heads. Dude. I don't know. Okay, he fine. did he he's he had the double double against the Lakers. Um we'll talk about the first game against Denver, but you can't forget he played well in that game too as a bench player. Um he did get the primary uh amount of minutes as the center in the end. And I think he finished the game and everything like that. Um and there was a second there, a second. I think in at the end, of, like going into the new year, there was a second there where it kind of seemed like he was playing pretty okay as the backup um, five. And I just feel like if you if you're gonna have like yeah those kind of moments, which feel far more, it feels like more less relative to the amount of minutes they've played. Um, but that's more positive moments than other guys have given. I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses for Rashawn Holmes. He's had a horrible season. Like I said, the Kings are getting absolutely nothing out of their highest fifth, their fifth highest played player. But um, I'm going to be a stickler here and not give out an F. Okay. (laughs) No, it's fine. I get you. I hear you. I don't agree, but I'm willing to go to a a D minus. I mean, whatever. It was D minus F. Yeah, think? I mean, and honestly, the difference here between D minus and F has like, there's no, there's just, we're not even arguing based on the merit. We're just arguing about how we view an F. I just view an F as like a failure. Failure, you shouldn't be on the team. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But we'll put him down as a D minus. I'll admit that I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, coming to probably the least seen player on the roster. Um, because when he comes out to play, you probably have already turned the game off. Um, <laughs> Alex Len and oh my god, we I think we said this on the podcast already, but think to kind of summarize. Alex Len came. We came into the season saying that in a similar light is Matthew Delvadova is the third point guard. Alex Len is a good option for a, a, a third center. It's a spot in the rotation, spot on the roster, rather, where you're not going to see a lot of minutes. Hopefully, because that would mean health issues for other guys. And he provides this kind of like experience. He's been in the league for a long time. Uh, he has re- he has undeniably good size. You know, he he can play in the pick and roll. There there were things to say about like him being the third center, but I think that in the moments that we've seen him, which have not been a lot, granted. If he's not playing against a big center like Jokic, where he can just kind of like bang with him in and around the paint area, 
it, he's what do you? He just doesn't fit into the modern NBA. And again, I would point to the game in Charlotte on Halloween, which I mean, like based on this conversation, people are like, "What is that? The only game you ever watched?" But <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it's a great example. It just happens to be another great example for Alex Len. You could see that he had he lacked speed. If he got switched off onto somebody in some situation. He gave you no chance, you know. The Kings try not to play so much when Sabonis is out there. They try not to get Sabonis to switch as much. But if Sabonis has to guard somebody, they give you an honest effort. There's so many moments where Sabonis puts on pretty decent showings on defense. You could maybe say the same thing about Metu. I mean, Metu's switchability is pretty decent. I mean, that's one of the things his versatility kind of makes him an interesting uh, player at the backup five. Um and then Holmes is like, – I'll just say with Holmes. Holmes is a better athlete than than Len. It's just Len is a liability at a certain point. He doesn't have speed. He doesn't have recovery speed. You can take – you can totally nullify him. He's a classic rim protector. Well, take him out of the restricted area. And then boom, you have – you've just freed up all this space. You can nullify Alex Len easily. And I think mm-hmm. for that reason, I think it's – he's fallen off. He's, he's less useful than I even imagined at the beginning of the season. I think we were too kind to him. And it's not an indictment of anything. I think the game has just changed, and it's just not—it's not a seven-footers, a big towers, you know, NBA anymore. I don't know if he's going to get—I don't know if he's going to get signed anywhere else after this season. I think he'll probably—I would be surprised if he did. Maybe that's kind of a kick in the balls at the end there, but that's no. why I would say he would—he gets a D plus, which maybe—I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I mean, we were kind of talking before, and. Or was it on this podcast? I don't yeah, so it's a long one. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, like he deserves higher. I I'm always want to push for incomplete for him, like Edwards, just because like, I mean, dude's not really given a chance. I, I personally thought he did okay versus Jokic. He fouled a little much, but I mean, it's also Jokic, you know? It's like, here you go. Like, <laughs> here's your first action. <laughs> in a month after being ill, like they go up against a two time MVP, um, back to back MVP reigning. So, and I personally thought he did well. I was kind of confused why he didn't play as much. They kind of pulled him, even though he had foul trouble, he never came back in with fouls to give. Um, and he was just set up to fail in Mike Brown's system. And I wouldn't say it's his fault, but at the same time, it kind of is. He's just, like you said, he's not, he's not a player in the modern NBA anymore. And I like, I don't know if he's going to get picked up either. If he was any faster, he'd be slow, you know, and that's just not how it's, it's not how the NBA is anymore for a big. So and I would put it, I would put it this way. We're talking about, you have a gaping hole, so to speak at mm-hmm. the backup five. Mike Brown wants to say that he feels bad for Alex Len, that he hasn't given him a chance. Given the hole, if you really thought he had a chance, you'd have given him a chance. Like, sorry, you're not you're not going to convince me otherwise. There's been yeah. so many moments where they've needed to bounce around, and there's a reason they went to Keita before. <laughs> Keita's, it, Keita's a classic rim protector in a lot of ways too, but he can run the floor. He can move a bit. Alex Len just can't do that. And with the pace that you want to play specifically on this team and the, the reality of the league as a whole, it's just, I don't know. It's <laughs> Alex Len, I mean, like, it's kind of the story of him is in his career. He just never really things never really worked out in terms of his promise coming out of yeah. Maryland. 
So, you know, a D plus, it, it does feel weird giving like Chemezi Metu a C plus and being like, Alex Lynn, D plus, work on it. Um, <laughs> but that's the way it is. What are we giving? One credit to Holmes and Len? No, let's just wait these like 7531. 7531. Yeah, I can. I could do 70, 50, 30, and 10. No. No. No, yeah. 7531. It's the same shit. Yeah. Calculate. Ooh. 2.8. Man, and it's crazy with your best player. Yeah, I mean, that's a, what, and that's an, what we're an talking about was a there. gaping hole. Yeah, yeah, but positional yeah. group. Oh, and that that what's a two that two point eight three? That's a C. That's a B minus actually. Would you look at that? B minus. Hey, that's the worst grade, and it says why the Kings are the third seed in the West. I was just about to say, and I think that given all the positional groupings i mean if we just put everybody at the same credit level each of these positional groupings uh, we can get a final grade for the for the third team in the western conference let's see it i think that does it calculate and so the kings are a solid 3.08 gpa student which is a beautiful b average I think that, that when we were kind of going through and we gave B's to the first three positional groups, I was almost tempted to say that the team as a whole is a B. Maybe a B plus, but a B. Was that, I, do you think, do you think I, that it should be higher? No, I, I think they're a B. And they're, like I said a little earlier, they're the third seed in the West, but it's also a very weaker Western Conference this year. Like last year, they'd be, I think, like the sixth or seventh seed at this point. So I'm fine with the B. I think they're a playoff team. A B is a playoff team, in my opinion. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's just, you know, they're, they're not a contender. They're not that finals contender yet. Um, I think they can make a move next year or maybe Keegan Murray gets better and they jump up to a B plus, A minus, and kind of get a little more serious. But, I mean, for a first-year playoff team, for, you know, for that hasn't made the playoffs in 16 years, I think a B right now, I mean – that's just really good. It's, just, it's solid. I'm very happy with it, and I think that's where they are. They obviously have their strong their strong points on the team, but they also have, you know, their holes as well. So, right, yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100. percent And this is maybe a team that not. I think that even if they're getting a B, I think they get on the honor roll because I don't think a lot of people expected them. To be this good. I mean, I think a lot of us expected the team to be pretty good. I still think they've exceeded expectations in a lot of ways. And I think a, a B right there in the middle represents that. Not overwhelming, because I think you and I and others still had pretty good hope that this team could be one of the better playing teams or a playoff team. And they, like we said last week, even with the tougher Western Conference, there's still a pretty good chance this team can finish fifth or sixth in the in, in the West. So it's really all dependent on how that second half goes. And I, boy, I can't, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to grade these guys again to end the season. Man, that'll be fun. These are always fun ones to do. It's, uh, you know, kind of just seeing where everyone's at. It's just fun to grade, I guess, judge other people. Yeah. I think we've talked enough. 
Yeah. A longer ep- podcast this week, but uh, it was a fun one grading these guys, and I hope all of you enjoyed it as well. Let us know in the comments if what you think each player deserves to be graded. And like I said, the All-Star break's coming to an end. The Kings play tomorrow against the Trailblazers. They started off the season against them. They end the All-Star break by playing against them in the second half, if you even want to call it that, with 25 games left. Um, it's going to be an important stretch down the road. 25 games left at third seed. It is very tight in the West right now. Very tight. I mean, the Kings go on like a five-game losing streak. They could potentially be out of the top eight seeds or eight spots in the West. So um, they just have to continue playing good basketball. And, you know, we'll have a lot more to report on next week when we actually see a couple of games be played with a fresh set of legs after the break. John. We got to say to wrap this up. We're going to really find out, I guess, what this team is in these final 25 games. I think they have, like I said, the opportunity to be, to not fall off like some people expect them to. Um, but they certainly could fall off. So it, it it's going to be interesting to see what happens, I guess. It'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting stretch and, I know we'll all be glued to our television sets each night the Kings play as they try to end their playoff drought. So it'll be fun. We'll talk to you next week once we get a couple games under the belt. But uh, all right, that's it. You know, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.